Relay FM. This is Upgrade episode 33. Upgrade this week is brought to you by three lovely sponsors Igloo, an internet you will actually like, MailRoute, a secure hosted email service for protection from viruses and spam, and GoToMeeting, the best tool to meet from anywhere without travel expenses or hassle of traffic. I'm uh, Jason, I'm not Mike. What? Oh my gosh! What happened to your accent, Mike? Mike, you've been in America too long. Four <laughs> days. You've gotten a, you've gotten a totally different accent. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm I'm Stephen. Hi, Jason. Hi. So Mike is in Mike is in America. He's not with me, but he's also not with you. Yeah, that makes me sad. This is very. It's a very confusing time in the relay universe. Um, I don't know much about comic books, but I think at some point in comic books, there's multiple universes, and that's kind of how relay feels like the last two weeks. Yeah. Yeah, this is um we we were what well, what is it the uh the flop house and a bunch of other shows that are on that um maximum fun network. They were talking about how they want to do a they want to do a fun drive thing that is the crossover week where they switch all the hosts around and I figure we just did that by accident on relay. All the hosts are on different shows and cuz Mike was traveling in in he had his vacation and he went to Ireland and now he's in Atlanta and so we've had guest hosts and you've been popping up everywhere you were on with Casey now you're on with me and I know people are feeling like unsettled out there I think starting next week everything will be back to normal I think so this is the I think actually today I think today's the last day because Mike well, flies home uh, those listeners of Clockwise will find that I'm not going to be on Clockwise <laughs> this week but after that Dan and I will be back together too so, so soon yeah. I so know, soon I know. I have the uh, I have John Syracuse's yard crew outside my house, mm-hmm. outside my neighbor's house, little, like actually. a little uh, lawnmower, like a, a blower. Yeah, he's on a leaf blower right now. That that is classic hypercritical. By the way, that is a that is a uh, old school hypercritical. The the John Syracuse complaining about the lawn guy. It is. So I have studio space in town that I use. I actually share it with my brother and. I was going to go there today to record, but, you know, I drove like eight hours yesterday from Atlanta, and I was like, well, I'm going to sleep late. I'll just wake up. My family, they're all out today. I was like, I'll record at home. What could go on in my neighborhood? I'm never home at 10 o'clock on a Monday, Uh right? I'm at work. Like, what could happen in my neighborhood at 10 o'clock on a Monday? And apparently, all of the yard work. The yard guy. The yard guy's here. What can we do? Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I I, I see those people when I'm walking my kids... um to school when I'm walking my son to school in the morning, I see I see the yard guys out because they, they they get out early and do that. And it's funny for me because we don't we don't have a yard guy. <laughs> I'm the yard guy. <laughs> yeah, same with me. I'm yeah. like the only yeah I'm the only guy on the street who's like mowing his own grass still. Mm-hmm. I need I should change that. Yeah, well I I it's not going to be a problem for me because you know all my grass is going to die because we're not going to water. Oh anymore. yeah, y'all don't have y'all don't have water anymore in yeah, California. That's right. So why you know who needs that seems that seems bad. I could mail you like a jar of Mississippi River water once a week. Did you see that William Shatner wants to do a Kickstarter for like a billion dollars? I think he doesn't know how Kickstarter works to build a pipeline, yeah. a water pipeline to California. Which also, on, on one level, that... I think is like that's kind of brilliant, right? Because there are other places where there's lots of water, but not here. But th- for that, I think they could just build like desal plants. But does that actually fix the problem? Like, where is the water coming from? Well, those people be thirsty because well, you've well, taken all their water well i mean that's look at the colorado river there isn't anything left of it it's because fine. we drained it all it's like a, you stick the straw in and then you just keep sucking until is that, it's dry is that how they do it it's a giant bendy straw yeah <laughs> into california interesting you yeah. live you basically live in a foreign country to me it's very it, strange it is well you know we we joke about this because in the people don't know this um this is the this is the first segment this is before follow-up this is random talk um in the relay uh slack chat uh, I, I've taken upon myself to educate Casey 
about California facts because it turns out Casey knows nothing about California, like literally nothing. Mm. I, I superimposed a map of California on a map of the East Coast once and said, Casey, this is how big California is. And he was like, wow, that's really big. I'm like, yes, it's really big. Yes. And he was like, where is, where is Yosemite? Because I'm going to Yosemite today. In relation to the Bay Area, because I don't know, and I, I did a little, I, I used napkin, I think, and I drew like little circles and arrows, and like, this is LA, <laughs> this is San Francisco, this is where the cows are in between, and then mm. over here is where Yosemite is, which is where I'm from, up in the, where the trees are. Oh, so your sidebar is translucent already. Yeah, I was, I'm, it was born translucent. Wow. You should change that setting so your computer looks like a Mac again. <clears throat> I'm not angry about no. Yosemite. No. We should do, um, some follow up slash out. We should follow we, up. We slash should. out. <laughs> we don't have sound effects on this show. That was yeah. A, I, d- I don't either anymore. That was yeah. I know that that was a particularly uh, prompt related thing. I kind of miss the sound effects, but Mike took them away. Well, he, you, sa- he says follow up now, and I think follow up. But no, everyone, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He can't. Uh, he cannot do that. Um, actually, the follow out is connected. Oh, um, I wanted mm. to mention episode um, 35 of Connected, which uh, I was on. And so people who like to listen to me talk and to you talk. Yes. But not to Federico because he said <laughs> very little in that episode because it was about photos for Mac that I talked about. And the Mac does not interest Federico. The Mac is a device used to talk on Skype. Yes. And nothing else. But... um they should check that out if they want to hear me talk about photos a lot. I, there are a couple things that made me very sad. There are a couple things in there that I said that were wrong. I said that there was no brush tool at all, and there is a little, you know, the spot healing kind of thing is there, mm-hmm. but that's it. There's no other kind of, um, you can't like brush on adjustments or anything like that. So, you know, people, the truth squad was out and bless them for, for, for that. So, but it's, uh, photos for, photos for Mac is fascinating. I'm, I keep, uh, I keep working on that book and discovering weird things that it does and then lots of things that it just doesn't do. And I think, you know, some of them are baffling, like not being able to put your photo on a map from within the app. It's like everybody is complaining about that. And I've got Super all these annoying. I've got all these SLR pictures and I'm like, I know where they were taken and they were taken at the same time that these three phone pictures were taken. And I'd like to put them together. Nope. Can't do it. It's frustrating. But anyway, we mentioned that on Connected, episode 35. People should check it out. You should check it out, and we have some some listener questions about photos. Yeah, I thought I, I I thought insert we'd collect them here. Yeah, because we've been talking about photos a little bit here. Um, listener Darren asked, "What's the better photo solution with the new services, iCloud or on Dropbox?" I know a lot of people are using Dropbox, and especially since if you pay for Dropbox, you've got like a terabyte now. It's a lot of a lot of room. I think it depends on what your what your photo approach is. Um, iCloud is expensive compared to most other cloud services, but you get it integrated in with all of Apple's apps. And that's what you're paying for, essentially. You're, the, apps are, the apps are free. <laughs> you pay for the cloud storage. And I've got about 500 gigabytes of photos and videos now. So, you know, that, that's what you're paying for. Now, Dropbox, you know, I, I feel like that's something that you do if you want to take everything into your own hands. I think, I think at that point, you should probably be using something that really, truly uses the file system as the management tool. Um, and photos will let you drag photos in from the file system. But, boy, starting to fiddle with like things changing in Dropbox underneath the Photos app with referenced photos, it sounds pretty scary to me. So I, I'm using iCloud right now, and I'm, I'm kind of happy to spend the money because it's super easy, and it's automatically on all my devices. But... You know, there's no right answer here. It really depends on what you're willing to pay and what your um, 
what your strategy is and what your what your family right. situation is too. Yeah, yeah. So I I used Dropbox for a long time. Um, Using you know just using the file system had it structured into folders and I liked it because it was it was super fast to sort through things and I had Hazel rules naming images by the date and time and it was nice but what for me moving to photos what it's given me is that that visual way to scan through images now yes in Finder you could use you know the thumbnail view or whatever make it bigger but in photos that's just it's a very visual way to store things and I've I've come to appreciate that approach again. And even though I'm not sold, like we talked about Connected, not sold about all the iCloud stuff quite yet, it is nice to to be back in a more sort of, you know, visual way. I can just, I can just you know, thumb through a bunch of photos really quickly and find the one I'm looking for as opposed to, like, clicking through in Finder and waiting for Finder to do its thing. But, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see where I land long term. Uh, I don't promise that I'll stay in photos, but uh, but we'll see. That's why follow-up exists, Jason. We can come back when we change our minds. <laughs> exactly. Um, I think... Yeah, I, I'm really enjoying the fact that suddenly, for the for the first time in a while, all fifty five thousand photos that I've got in my assorted iPhoto libraries are all in one Photos library. And Photos is, has now slowed down a little from what it was when there were only ten thousand photos in there, but it's all still really navigable. And it, you know, it's not nearly as slow as iPhoto was with even ten thousand photos in it. It, it. it moves pretty well. And I was just discovering the other the other day, like. You know, these pictures that I know that we took of my kids when they were really little, and I know the one picture, and I'm looking, and I'm like, oh, we took 15 pictures then. And I'm looking through, and it's like, you know, it's almost like uh, supplementary, like, bonus material from my life. <laughs> it's like, you only know the one picture, but there were actually all these other pictures, too. That was pretty awesome. So I'm enjoying having access to all that. And the videos, too, since the videos are in the cloud as well, um, and there's a videos view in photos, I, I'm seeing all these videos of my kids that I took on, like, a phone when they were little, and I've not even seen them in years. And they're all in the, the videos view now, which is pretty cool, too. Yeah, it's – I like some of that. It's, I mean, they're not smart albums, but, you know, kind of like – I can see all my time-lapse stuff in one place, which most of mine are my kids, like, running around and dancing, like, in the yard. I just love all of those, and – I can just see them all in one little place. And yeah. there's not many of them, but it's really an enjoyable little corner of the photos universe. So uh, a couple other quick bits of photos-related uh, follow-up. Uh, listener Mark asks, when when does iCloud Photo Library, uh, when, when it's full, does it stop working? Does it purge old files? And does it auto, or does it auto-upgrade size? And the answer is, once your iCloud Photo Library reaches your maximum amount of storage, a dialogue comes up in, from Apple and says, um, would you like to buy more storage? Yeah. Insert another quarter to keep playing. <laughs> and in fact, when you if you try to add a large library to um, a, a library larger than your size will fit. Apple stops you and says, you can't really do this unless you pay more. And so, yes, insert quarter, which is when I went up to a terabyte, which I'm now only using half of. So I've got to figure out whether I want to like remove some things from the cloud, like the videos, and and uh, go back to half a terabyte, or if I just want to embrace the fact that I'm putting everything in, in, uh, in uh, iCloud. But it right. tells you. I mean, Apple Apple does. And it's doing some deduping, too. It looks like it is doing like a checksum or something on every piece of media and then asking the server, do you have this already? And if it says yes, then, it's, then it dedupes that. Now, that doesn't always work. I got a bunch of things. I, I um, 
my first digital camera was a Canon PowerShot, I think like S110 or something, and it didn't mm-hmm. have. That was when that was my first digital camera. Uh, it was a point and shoot, and it was back when when um, the accelerometer was not a standard feature on digital cameras. So you had to when you when you shot something in portrait, you had to import it and rotate it because it didn't know that the camera was being held in that orientation. Right. So. Um, I found a bunch of pictures of my parents holding my daughter right after she was born in the hospital where there are two of everything, uh, one with them rotated and one not. And apparently I just had like the originals and I don't know what happened there, but that was an example where it couldn't dedupe them because they look different because one of them is a portrait and one of them is a landscape. But if they're if they are the same photo exactly or the same video. It does a good job. It, it it looks up online and says, oh, I don't need to do anything with this. This is just a dupe, and it drops it. So um, it tries to be efficient at it, but um, it will warn you if you are if your library is too big to go up to iCloud based on what you've purchased, and then you just buy more space. That's how that works, or you don't do it. You turn it off. Those yeah. are your choices at that point. And uh, listener Jim asked, in the Photos app, is there a way to sort the pics within the new albums view in both ascending and descending order? You can reorder an album view. I'm not sure you can do a man, a, an actual like sort. Photos really wants it to be old on top and new on bottom. Really, like really, really. And I, I imagine mm-hmm. that that might be something that they'll change at some point so you can reverse the view. But that's what they want. But in, in albums, you can drag things around. Um, you can order an album any way you want. So you could do that, but I don't think there's an auto sort way. I haven't noticed that to sort it the other direction. I think we, basically you can free form it, uh, you know, just freestyle, or you can, <laughs> or you can say sort by date and those that, are your that, choices. That's all I've seen. So if you, yeah. if you do it manually, is that order reflected on your other devices? Oh, that's a, that's a good question. I should check that out. It should be, but I don't oh. know if it is. There are some weird things. Some things don't translate to iOS. It's very much one of those... Not very Apple-like things where where there's there's things that just don't come over. Like uh, to a second Mac, uh, the faces don't come over. Um, the face the face tagging comes over. So if like one Mac has said this is Jason Snell, the other Mac will have that tag, but the face identification stuff doesn't come over. And um, smart albums don't come over. So it's possible to iOS. Um, or or Mac actually, so uh, they just don't sing on iCloud at all. So it's possible that they don't, but I would think th- you would think that they would. I just haven't tested that. That's a great question. You mm. stumped the band. Congratulations! If only there were some sort of book I could buy. About. Indeed. Well, if mm. there was only some book that I could finish writing, so that mm. it could be published. There it is. I'm and getting we close. S- I'm getting close. Yeah. And so uh, listener Matt wrote in and have uh, some feedback on the Magic Mouse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We we Mike and I. It was that two blind men trying to figure out if it's an elephant kind of situation where it's people who don't use the Magic Mouse comment on the Magic Mouse. <laughs> Do you use the Magic Mouse? No, I use the same mouse uh, Mike uses, the Logitech uh, <laughs> Revolution MX. <laughs> well, listener Matt has, because he uses the Magic Mouse, has told us there's an app that you can get at magicprefs.com that lets you set up taps to work as clicks on the Magic Mouse. He says it's great. And that it doesn't physically click. There's a small speaker that makes the sound of, because a silent mouse was freaking out the original testers. So that's one of those those fake, like the, the MacBook, when you click on it, it actually makes a sound because the, the surface vibrates. But... Um, Apparently, the Magic Mouse provides audio feedback. This is what listener Matt says. Regardless, we don't use it, so we don't know. But sure, a a force-touch Magic Mouse would be great, we think. (laughs) 
Yeah, uh, maybe. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I haven't used Force Touch. I mean, except in the Apple Store. So, uh, and I could see how you know once you get used to it, right? Like, like if you're like me, you know, I've got a MacBook Pro. Right now, I'm using it by itself, just plugged into a bunch of stuff at my desk at home. But at work, it's you know on a stand with a display and keyboard and mouse. And I could see once you get used to Force Touch somewhere, you would want it everywhere. Right. Like the gesture, so for me, it's the gestures on the trackpad. Then I go to the Logitech mouse and I have no gestures. And I've gotten used to that. I've mapped. It was nice about the Logitech. You can map like thumb down to various things and you can kind of fake it a little bit. But I could see once you're, you know, you, you want your steps to kind of be the same as much as possible. So I, at some point, I, I think it'll show up other places. I don't know how it would work at a mouse. Is it, are those modules, you know, the magnets and everything small enough? Can you power them on AA batteries? I mean, there's lots of questions there, but one day I think they could show up everywhere. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, my knowledge of Magic Mouse is so is zero. But but uh, thanks to Matt for the for the report back. Uh, well, I think we can move on to regular topics. But first, uh, it would be great since you're being Mike today. It would be great to, for you to tell us about uh, a friend of the show, if you could. I would. I would love to tell you about Igloo, the internet you will actually. Like, so Jason, why invest, yes, <laughs> Jason, why invest in the latest, sleekest devices if you're going to use them to stare at an internet website that was built in the 90s? Woo, you know, I've 90s. used these. Party. Woo. Woo. I've used these things. A lot of corporate internets are really terrible, and that's where Igloo comes in. Not only can Igloo be customized to look exactly like your brand, but it's responsive, automatically optimized for any device you're using, even if you're in the 6 Plus Club, like like Mike and I and all the cool kids. You can use your favorite Apple devices because Igloo just lets you do your best work. Share files, coordinate calendars, provide status updates, and manage projects. Igloo is not just for traditional internet stuff like HR policies and expense forms. It's It gives you the tools to work better together with your team. Igloo's latest upgrade, Viking, revolves around documents and how you interact with them. You can gather feedback and make changes, and there's an ability to track who has read critical information. So if you send out training and you really need Jason to read it and Jason's a slacker, you can see that Jason hasn't read it. Yeah, true. And you can deal with it. It's like red email receipts, but way better. If your company has a legacy internet that looks like it was built in the 90s, you should really give Igloo a try. But, you know, Igloo, those guys are super smart. They understand that love doesn't happen overnight. So if you sign up now, you can try Igloo for free with a team of up to 10 people for as long as you want. Sign up right now at igloosoftware.com slash upgrade. Thank you so much to those guys. Thank you, Igloo, for sponsoring Upgrade and all of Relay FM. Yeah. Our pals, our friends. Our friends. So um, our first topic is the mic vertical <laughs> or the podcasting vertical. But I wanted to just just really quickly say, so you saw Mike this weekend in Atlanta. You did the, the Pen Attic Live. You and I had some text messages because you, you, you were like, you did you set up the equipment. You did... Uh, live audio stream. You did videos. Tell me a little bit about what I, I assume that you'll talk about this on other shows too. But I get you first. So what? What? Give me some of the lowdown from Atlanta. Yeah. So so if people might not be familiar, uh, the Pen Addict is a show here on Relay that 
fountain, fountain pens, fancy writing utensils, notebooks, paper, that sort of thing. Yeah, my wife's feedback, by the way, whenever it says she said that every time I say pen addict, she assumes I say it's about pens. She assumes that that's a tech acronym like P E N. It's like personal electronic notebook or something like that. I said no, it's at the things you write with. She's like, really? A podcast about that? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very real. Um, so the listeners, <laughs> the listeners in that show um, funded a Kickstarter, which is super great to bring Mike to Atlanta, Georgia for the uh, Atlanta Pen Show. So it's it's a, a, like a hotel conference center and there's a couple rooms and there's vendors. Uh, Brad Dowdy, who's a host on the network, also owns a company called Knock where they make pen cases. And so uh, the Kickstarter was very successful and we flew Mike over. Uh, I came down, drove down from Memphis with my brother who uh, is in the nonprofit sector, but his nonprofit does a lot of uh, video work, and so uh, they came down, and we basically filmed uh, the entire weekend, and uh, we did a live a live audio podcast. So we bought uh, <laughs> some XLR mics, bought some short betas, and we bought a little USB XLR interface to put all those together. Live streamed it, and all of it's a video that the Kickstarter backers will get. Uh, they'll get that next month after it's all edited and, and put together and everything. So it was a it was a heck of a three day thing. I'm really tired. Yeah, <laughs> but, I bet. Uh, but it was a lot of fun. I bet you. You know, it, I listened to the show live. It was episode 150 of the Pen Attic, so it was perfectly timed too. Which is um, it's a bunch of episodes. It's a lot of pens. It's a lot of pens. It's a lot of pens. A lot of, um, ink. A lot of ink spilled. Mm. I, so, I was yeah. fascinated. Um, listening to it because I felt like this is how people who aren't into tech stuff uh, think we talk, which is you throw out acronyms and and, and uh, technical terms. And they were talking about like I was writing on sandpaper so that the nibs with the the wi- widgets are bibly and the I'm just making things up now. But it was like I have no idea what they're talking about. Like I, I, I like for me the pen has got the little part that you can attach to something, and then you've got the little clicky part. Um, and the part you write, the end you write with, <laughs> and that's my pen knowledge is just that it, you point it at the paper and it writes. But they right. were just like going deep down and super enthusiastic. And I love that. I love how enthusiastic they were about it because um, it's like those documentaries like The King of Kong or some things like that. But I, I love documentaries about people who are super in- excited about anything, because even if I don't understand it and the pen stuff, I totally don't understand. But it was fun to listen to them be excited about being together and talking about pens. Yeah, you know, it's it's one of the one of those worlds where it's it's very much in parallel to the the nerd world that you and I run in uh, of the you know sort of Apple centric stuff, and you know you also with the incomparable have sort of the pop culture sci fi uh, nerd kingdom as well that that I have kind of half a foot in. You know, don't really spend a lot of time in that world, not as much as you do. But what's great is is that that passion. I think that's really what defines you know being a nerd is being passionate about something really specific. And, uh, for, you know, for all these people who showed up to Atlanta, people like flew in, like Mike wasn't the only one who got on an airplane to come to this. Um, you know, we're at this, this party at Knox, uh, workshop and there's like a field note swap going on and <laughs> there's like, well, there, there, there's pictures of it, you know, that'll be in the video of these guys with these huge boxes of field note notebooks, which, which I use and I'm interested in. And, um, but like these guys, you know, they keep them, you know, in order of the the various issues and and have you know complete collections and everything and it's just great like the enthusiasm the excitement the the passion for these things is is really what is the common thread between the various like 
types of nerd, I think. And so it's, it was a lot of fun to see that yeah. and, and to, to be a part of it for a weekend. And, you know, I've known Brad for a long time and I've been on, I've been on their show a couple of times at various things, but, um, yeah, yeah, I had that, that thought run through my mind of like, this is what people like, look at all of us at WWDC and like, huh, those guys are kind of like passionate about things that I'm not. <laughs> and, uh, it's just the same thing, right? Like it's the same type of, of, of passion. Yeah. So. I, re- that's exactly it. I recognize, I recognize the passion, even though I don't recognize what they're talking about. I can appreciate the passion, and I, I love to see that. I like, I just love it when people are excited about stuff and they love stuff. That's much more interesting to me than people who hate stuff and are bored and the ennui and oh god, I, why am I even here? That's not so fun. But the enthusiasm, even if I don't understand it or share it, it's just kind of contagious to be around people like that. So. Yeah, so that's, that was a cool little view into another world, and I think it's really cool that you know, like the the listeners pitched in to get Mike to fly out. To- oh yeah, and you know they made the video possible, and um, I'm looking right now at the Kickstarter page, 479 backers, and uh, a bunch of those people were, were at the party, which was um, uh, a lot of fun just to meet some people. You know, a lot of people were like, oh, I can know your voice from shows, and um, we gave away some stickers and T-shirts and stuff, and. You know, it's one of those things where, like, this project, we're doing the super meta podcast thing, but we'll stop in a second. Yeah. Um, like, this is why we made Relay a thing. Like, Mike and I, from day one, like, we want to try things. We want to do things that are beyond just putting out an hour of audio a week. And this is really one of the first, like, big things we've done. And there's another one actually following on. It's you know, another kind of weird, exciting thing we're going to do la- announce later this week. But it's... It's very much like, this is why we did this, because we can just go out and do stuff and see if it works, and the Kickstarter was very successful, and we fully plan to do more of this type of stuff with with various different shows. all the great shows. Um, All all the great shows, really. Um, So yeah, it was a lot of fun, so thank you to everyone who came out and said hi and and, and backed us on Kickstarter, and... um, It'll be it'll be fun to to get that video out into the world. It's I mean some of the stuff is just like we have this shot of this this box of retro fifty ones, which is a brand of pen. Uh, I bought one, and it's like every color in the rainbow plus like every pattern you can think of all laid out. I mean just beautiful stuff of you know made with care, sold with care. People who use them care about it. Like it's just that again that that passion that excitement is just really contagious uh, when you come across it. Yeah. Um- I should mention that uh, it's funny that you said I recognize your voice. This is a story. Speaking of excitement and passion, um, this weekend, uh, Dan Morin was at the uh, Star Wars celebration, which is the big Star Wars convention, mm-hmm. and it was in Anaheim. And uh, he said he was uh, he was standing standing there and heard a familiar voice from behind him and turned around, and it was David Sparks from Mac Power Users, yeah. who was also at the Star Wars thing. There's a picture of them I'll put in the show notes, but... Um, it was that was kind of funny, and and I've had that too, where it's the voice thing, where you you, you realize, oh, somebody I know from a podcast is standing behind mm-hmm. me because I hear their voice. Um, I have one other short topic before we talk about our next uh, our next friend, uh, which is um, I wrote this thing on Six Colors last week about buying beer. Yeah, yeah I saw that. <laughs> which people are like, well, that's that's different. That's not your usual. Uh, that's not your usual subject. I'm like, well, one of the things that that Six Colors affords me is the ability to write about whatever the heck I want to write Indeed. about if I think that it's sort of relevant. And I thought this was sort of relevant because I was standing in Whole Foods because the Whole Foods is right next to my house, essentially, and uh, it's easy to 
it's easy to walk over there and we were getting something else. And when I, whenever I'm in there, I like to look at what beer they have because they, you know, and then your brain is doing the processing. Like you're just looking down a row and then you look down the next row and you're trying to read the labels but not study each of them because there's a whole bunch of them. And it struck me that this is exactly how I used to shop for books, um, for CDs uh, back in the day when there were record stores and and all sorts of other things that that uh, back when things were scarce. And with 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 beer, there is not at least in the U.S. There, it's not like there's a an Amazon for beer where you can like literally get anything that's available and see what's not available. Um, you know, it, it, it's old school, and it just it, it there's not a whole lot to this other than to say that it struck me that this is this is old shopping style, but it still remains for a few categories, and in other categories, it's been completely blown away. Because I remember looking for, you know, that particular Peter Gabriel album, you know, in cassette or CD form for several years, for like two, three years before I found it in a record store in Ashland, Oregon, when I was on a school trip. And I remember that moment of like, hooray. And I, I have people say to me nostalgically, like, wasn't that a great moment when you finally found it? And wasn't it fun to hunt for it? And I say, well, I don't know if it was fun to hunt for it, but it was something I could hunt for, something I could do in a record store. And now I walk into a bookstore and I'm like, yeah. I have nothing to look for here. I mean, I can look at the shelves, but I'm not going to buy anything. I've probably already got it on a Kindle and whatever. But you know what would have been better than um, than finding it in the, the record store in Ashland, Oregon, would have been having it two years before when I discovered that this album existed. That that would have been better. And I know that's not very nostalgic to say, no, the thrill of the, the hunt for the thing that's missing and all that, but I would rather just have it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm the same way. Like, I'm why those stores don't exist anymore. <laughs> um, also, I was one year old when you uh, bought yeah. that. That thanks for that tape. So I was, I was, uh, I was, I was 17, I think, when I found that, or or 16. But, but yeah, I was a uh, senior in high school when you were a, a little tiny baby. It's, it's true. Looking for a tape, and I did find that on tape. I, I that was an era where not everything was on CD yet. Right. And that that was an obscure solo album from 1978. And it was available on cassette, and I found a cassette, and it was a that was a great score, but you know, um, it it was I would have rather just had it, and it just struck me that that with beer, like uh, there's a beer that I found that I really liked, and it's hard to find now, and it was a limited edition, so it's probably just not being made, and that's fine, but I realized there's no way to know. Some places might have it in stock, some might not. There's no, you know, it's just a crapshoot, and and that's fine. It is kind of an adventure. Although, if I find something I really like and then I can't get it, I just kind of want to have it and I can't get it. And that frustrates me. But but it was just the bigger picture of, this is how shopping used to be. And, and you know, we can look at it through nostalgia, but I, I was like, that kind of sucked. I really like that if there's a book that exists, I can get it. Like, Infinite Loop. We were talking uh, with mm-hmm. uh, John on this show, and he said that's the one to read that's about Apple and about how Apple kind of loses its way when, when uh, in the Scully era and after. And uh, it's it seems to be out of print, but I got one in uh, – I went on Amazon and I got a, a used copy in like two days. I did the exact same thing listening to that episode. It's sitting on my nightstand. Yeah, it's right <laughs> behind me here. Um, and yeah. that that's kind of awesome. And yeah, I could have darkened the doors of every used bookstore ever and not found it because I I didn't go to the right one, but there was a used copy at this other bookstore that was a little further away. Or I could just press a button and say, okay, now I've got that book that I want to read. I I, I prefer, call me uh, not appropriately nostalgic, but uh, I prefer to just get the things I want instead of spending years hunting for them. That's yeah, me. I, yeah, I'm the same way. And I think it, it depends a little bit like 
going back to the field notes guys this weekend or like if I'm looking for you – know, there's some things that you have to hunt down, right? Like if I'm looking for a particular Mac or something to add to the collection, I, I need to you know do my homework on that. But, but for instance, like all the audio gear we bought for Atlanta, you know, the, the nice thing about like shopping online and, and is that I can do all this research, right? Like yeah. I knew exactly what I was buying. I knew exactly what I was getting into with it. And it was all mapped out and planned out. So when I set it up, I had no doubt that it would all work the way I expected. And that's that's the huge upside for me as someone who, you know, I'm not a, usually not an impulse buyer, especially when it comes to like, you know, stuff like audio equipment or, you know, big ticket items. I'm going to do my research and do my homework. And I know that when I hit purchase that I'm not planning on using Amazon's very generous return policy. And so that's the huge upside, right? Like 15 years ago, I'd have had to go, and there are several local audio, you know, AV music stores in town. I could have bought those microphones and cables and stands from, from any of them. But, you know, you're, you're just talking to the sales guy, and maybe the sales guy is not super knowledgeable about vocal mics. Maybe he's a guitar guy, and he's just in the mic section for some reason, and, and you catch him, right? There's all those variables that you that just don't really exist anymore. Like, yes, there are people who review things that don't know what they're talking about, but you can read such a wide you know, cross-section of reviews and, and articles and comparisons that you can make a really informed yeah. buying decision. And that, as someone who you know cares about that sort of stuff, like is great for me. When I bought the, my USB interface for my microphone, I bought two of different ones, and I tried one out and tried the other out and then sent one back. That <laughs> was great. That was really great. And and because I couldn't decide, and you know, you could do that before, but you know, you'd have to go to a an audio store and hope they had it in stock, both of them or one of them, and see what their return policy is. And it's like, yeah. Anyway, I, it was it was not a story. My story was not really about beer so much as how I think our expectations for shopping have changed, and how you know shopping for beer feels very twentieth century. And you know there are reasons for that. There's the eighteen restriction. There's the weight of the cost of shipping. It's like it's seriouspets.com kind of stuff where it's like, why do we want to ship this? It's really heavy, <laughs> um, and there's lots of interstate in the U.S. There's lots of interstate transport of alcohol kind of laws. So there's it, it's totally understandable why this is not a thing that is it has been revolutionized like some other areas. And it's sort of quaint in that way, and and I suppose nostalgic. But um, I, I'm I'm happy with a 21st century way of shopping. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. All right, uh, it's time for uh, another sponsor break. I guess this is my job now because I always read this one. So you get to take you get to take like Mike. You get to take a little moment to reflect as I tell you about our next sponsor. It's our friends at MailRoute. Uh, you've heard me talk about them before. MailRoute is a magical uh, thing that lives in the cloud, and it's like a it's like a friendly monster that eats spam, and uh, and but not your good email. This is a metaphor I'm workshopping, not approved by MailRoute. Um, basically, MailRoute lives in the cloud. You divert your uh, domain's email to MailRoute. Instead of it going to your mail server first from the big bad internet where all the spammers will reach it directly, they, it goes through mail, mail route first. Mail route is your first line of protection. All happens in the cloud. You don't have to install any hardware or software. Mail route uses its intelligent servers to filter your mail, uh, find the, the spam and the viruses and the junk and, and the bounces, and uh, it doesn't pass those on. And it takes everything else, all the good stuff, and it passes it through. So your mail server and your inbox only see legitimate mail, the stuff you want and need to receive. Uh, and again, you don't have to worry about any about maintaining any kind of software because it all happens up in MailRoute's server 
in the cloud that may or may not be a friendly monster that eats spam. Uh, Easy to set up, reliable, trusted by large organizations like universities and corporations. I've been using it for a couple of years. It works great for me. Um, The interface is really simple. I love the uh, the spam digest I get, which allows me to peruse what the latest in spam headlines, spam subject lines is. That usually makes me laugh. And occasionally, once or twice a month, I'll find something in there that was misfiled as spam that's actually from a friend of mine who wants, who, my friend the Nigerian prince who wants to make money fast. And I want to let that through. So I click the uh, one link and it uh, whitelists my friend and delivers that message. And that person will never be uh, spam filtered ever again. And if you're a uh, email administrator or an IT professional who's thinking about setting this up for your domain, for your mail server. They've got all the tools. They've got an API for easy account management. Uh, MailRat supports LDAP, Active Directory, TLS, mailbagging. Come mm. on. Come on. <laughs> no, no. Mm. Give, me a, give me a mailbagging, Stephen. Uh, I feel uncomfortable with that. Mailbagging. Okay, how about this? How about this? And outbound relay. Uh, see, I, relay! Uh, okay. You okay. don't want to step on Mike's thing. You think yeah, mailbagging is Mike's thing now? I think so. Okay. Well, you can be excited about Outbound Relay. It's the name of your... You're the co-founder of something called Relay. You should be very excited I'm, about I'm Outbound. outbounding all over the okay, place. Okay, good. Everything you want from people handling your mail anyway. All those catchphrases, including ones Stephen refuses to say because they belong to Mike now. Uh, and you can do all of this mail route with a risk-free trial. You don't have to put your credit card down. You just sign up. You change your MX records, which are those things that tell the big bad internet where to send your mail. You point them at mail route. And that's it. Your mailbox and hardware are completely protected. It's simple, effective, and worth trying. Everybody who listens to Upgrade can get 10% off, not just for a little while, but for the lifetime of your account by going to mailroute.net slash upgrade. That's mailroute.net slash upgrade. Go there now. And thank you so much to our pals at MailRoute for supporting Upgrade and Relay FM. <sighs> um, John Syracuse uh, retired. From writing reviews, he did. I saw that. I was at a, um, I was at a, an NBA game, and I, and I was at a baseball game. You, we, yes. we we posted pictures of sports things in the uh, in, we were sp- in the relay chat while we were we doing were just sports sportsing things. all we over were the sportsing. place. Yeah, and uh, yeah. So I, I, you know, pick up my phone for a second. It's like uh, someone had texted me. Did you see the news about John Syracuse? I was like, what? What is that? Is like, he okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was actually my first. I was like, oh my god, like. And uh, so, yeah, so there's, uh, he's been doing this, what, 15 years? It's, it's, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah, since, since, the, uh, since the 20th century. <laughs> wow. Actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's been a while. I had, I had that moment where I looked at um, the first bylined OS X review that I wrote was 10.1. So that's October 2001. So um, that I, I am considered older than dirt by a lot of people because I've been I've been writing about Apple since '94, but um, John John was out there with his OS X reviews before I was. I mean, I I because I, I like to think that I basically have written a review of everything since 10.0. Uh, but the fir- the fact is, the first few articles that, that MacWorld did on it, I was the features editor, so I was editing them, and I did a lot of rewriting some of those articles because we ended up having really technical people. Um, write them and then the job of the editor was kind of to shape them into an article that was less technical and understandable by other people um it was a funny era because we were all kind of bogging down in the unix stuff and all of that so i you know i i've got i've got my 10 review 10 one review and it's still online and that one is very much like the it's safe to go in the water now review 
Um, but to think that John, I mean, that's just one of those things. Like John was there from the very start writing that stuff. Yeah, and, the the early ones are before Aqua. So when when oh, yeah. it still looked, you know, like the like the classic Mac OS, it's it's really a wild wild time to flip through those. Yeah, it's it's um it's amazing that, that James Thompson at Ool, his presentation talked about how uh, Syracuse criticized his version of the doc that was in one of the developer previews. It's just amazing that uh you know, and but people forget that John doesn't do this for a living. I you know, I, I do this for a living. Even now, my job has changed quite a bit, but this is what I do. This is what my job is. John's job is a he's a web developer. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. his job. Everything we know him for, everything that unless you are one of the clients of John's company, <laughs> um, you know John for his side projects. You know, that's just the facts. And we think he's a fabulous, famous star. And he is in our world, as Andy Anatko often likes to say, world famous in Poland. He's got that narrow fame. Um, and he does fantastic work. Uh, ATP is my go-to tech podcast. Those reviews are spectacular. But it's it's important to keep in mind that he's got a family and he's got a day job. And I thought I really liked in his in his story how he said it's not just about feeling like he's done this job. And that he, it's time to move on, but also having the prospect of a summer where he's not catching every spare moment when he's at home to write chapters of a book about OS X, essentially, is uh, something he's looking forward to. And, uh, you know, I, you can't, that's a huge amount of work, and that's work on top of his work. And then going to WWDC, that's a week's vacation he takes to go there. It's a, it's a big thing. It's, it's not, you know, and, and yeah, we could talk about like, could John quit his job and be Mac pundit full time? I think he could probably, but I think it, he would be uncomfortable doing it. And I think he takes a great pride in, in his profession, in what he does as his profession. And I don't think he wants to give up being a professional developer to be an Apple themed pundit as good as he is at it. So I totally, I'm glad he wrote it the way he did about the, you know, recapturing some of his time for his family, for other projects he wants to do. And it's not like he's going away. When he started, this was his entire outlet. And the fact is, ATP is a great weekly creative outlet for him. And he's on a lot of incomparable episodes, too. And that's a great outlet for him. He The podcasting has made it um, so that this is not his only way of, of uh, expressing his interest in these subjects. And since he's got RSI, so he was dictating this stuff all along. Podcasting's better, right? There's very little typing when you're podcasting. Right. No, it, it makes a ton of sense. You know, on this week's uh, ATP, or last week's, I don't know what day it is anymore. Um, when he announced it, you know, Marco was like, you know, from like the reader perspective, I'm sad. But as someone who knows you personally, like I'm, I'm not surprised and I'm yeah. almost relieved yep. that you're you're making this this change. And it it, it is, you know. Uh, I made a, a joke on Twitter that you should read these to your children because they're, I mean, these reviews are part of our subculture, but at the same time, like clearly if you listen to John, a podcast or, you know, read his site, clearly these are taking a toll and it's like, yeah. that's just not worth it. And, and clearly, you know, he came to the point where, you know, this, this thing, it's, it's time for, you know, this to end. And, and any of us who have side projects, you know, I'm in the same boat John's in where podcasting writing is not my full-time job. And I'm, you know, carving out of, uh, you know, family time and, and time that I could have if I had any hobbies, <laughs> you know, that weren't this. Yeah. Um, so I definitely understand it. And there have been things that I've done, you know, I used to do this monthly like magazine for members of my site 
in iBooks. And it took up so much time. I was like, you know, like this is great. I really enjoyed doing it. I just can't do it anymore, you know, and, and maybe one day that'll come back. But it was a, you know, the time in and the value out, that equation was just off. Or uh, sometimes you just know it's time time to move on from something. So, um, and that, that's really hard to do. It's really hard to step away from something that you oh. care about. And so my, my, my hat's off to him for, for not only for writing them, but knowing when it was time to stop. So, well, and anybody who, who knows John and anybody really who listens to John knows John. I mean, that's John, 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 that's John. Um, he's not going to half ass it. That's the other thing. It's like, if he's going to do it, he's going to do it. And mm-hmm. I think, I think that's part of it too. It's like, you know, could John, John, I, cause I was thinking about this. Who, who wants to follow John Syracuse doing those reviews at ours? Like I thought about it because I'm a free agent now and, mm-hmm. and I don't want, I don't want to follow that act, but more than that. Th- so, so that's interesting. Like who, who, who wants to follow that? I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to cover the next version of OS 10 um, and I'll do it in my own way on, on my own terms. But um, following that act, not only that, John has to follow that act. John has to live up to his track record. And if his interest is flagging, you know, he, he doesn't, want i think to do a 2000 word review for ours which he could do of os 10 because that would not be the john syracuse review it needs to be 20,000 words long and so right. so for him it's like you got to be all in or all out and he's all out and i think that's i think that's good for him it's sad for us that we won't have that definitive piece but um it's not like we're losing his voice so you know that's that's i'm happy for him because it, that is, I mean, literally, you, you imagine taking up all of your spare time for the entire summer uh, with this project. That's he's been doing that for you know fifteen years now, right? Which is, I mean, it really is. Like, I'm sure if you add that up, and I'm sure he has, it's it's really crazy. Yeah, and, and the um, annual pace now. It didn't used to be an annual pace, but now that it's an annual pace, it's it is every summer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, back you know, I mean, Tiger was out, Leopard was out, you know, for, for multiple years. Yeah. And um, you know, I, I agree with you. You know, I I, I didn't really consider it because I know that's that gig is beyond what I could do, probably both professionally and and time wise. But you know, I reviewed Mountain Lion, Mavericks, and Yosemite on my site, and and you know, they're 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 not two thousand words. They're longer than that, but they're definitely not. Syracusean in length or in detail. Um, in fact, my Yosemite one is really just a design review. I didn't really get into the features of Yosemite. It's mostly um, what's new visually. And, right. I, remember and that. I think that was a nice angle. See, that's one thing you can do if you're not following, you know, if you're not John having to do what John does, you can say, what if I just looked at the design? Right. And, and, um, and so that's, I think how I will continue to do that is find, you know, Mountain Lion and Mavericks were, you know, feature by feature, what's new, screenshots, that sort of thing. But uh, Yosemite was easy because, you know, the the visual overchange was so massive. Um, and I'll continue to, to do that sort of thing. It is enjoyable, but I know that just these these smaller ones that I'm doing, how much time they're taking, especially the Mavericks one, uh, took a long time. And Yosemite was shorter because it was mostly visual, and I waited until, you know, we were pretty far along um, in the, the betas. Cause the first dark mode didn't even ship with the first couple betas, I think. So I was like, well, you know, I can outline, but I, I can't write or, or, or really talk about it till I can use it. But it's, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, uh, John's content is not going away. He's going to be talking about it on ATP and yeah. on Twitter and everything. And so, um, I will miss reading them, but it, it's, there's still a lot of ways to, 
experience new versions of OS 10 um, before installing yourself. A lot of people are still going to be doing this. Oh, yeah. and, and well, I think, it, it's a yeah. much richer environment for that than it used to be, too. That's also true, that there was a time when there were not that many people reviewing OS 10. You know, it was, it was, I feel like, and maybe I'm wrong at this, but I feel like there was a time when, when I would write a review of like 10.2 or something, there were very few others that I could even look to and compare my, my Macworld feature story to. And John was one and there were not often a lot of others. And now there are a million of them and different angles. And it's just, it's a much richer world than it was when he was doing this, you know, even 10, five years ago. Yeah, it's, it's definitely true. You know, it's, um. I mean, 15 years is a long time. You know, my site's going to be seven uh, this fall. And and that's really, I mean, <laughs> you know, I've, I've been doing OS 10 reviews for three. So it's, uh, you're, you're definitely right. The space has just grown, um, has grown so much. And, and that's that's great because it is richer, but it is, um, it's hard to find that definitive review now, you know. Right. So, we'll see. All right. Um, I think... We can move on to Ask Upgrade, which has a sponsor this week. Can you tell us about our friends who are sponsoring hashtag Ask Upgrade? Absolutely. They are our friends at GoToMeeting. So think about the time, money, and hassle it takes to hold a meeting. You know, I'm in meetings, uh, in and out of meetings all day, uh, almost every day at work, and it, it can be a real resource uh, hog to, to bring a bunch of people into things, and especially if there's travel time and that sort of thing. But Citrix is a great way to meet your clients and coworkers online. GoToMeeting by Citrix is a smarter way to meet. GoToMeeting makes it easy to meet with your team whenever you need to, wherever you are. Because with GoToMeeting, you can meet from any computer, tablet, or smartphone. No travel expense, no traffic, no people being late. They can sit down at their computer and be in a meeting. Your team can join by clicking a link. No signups, no speed bumps. Turn on your webcam and boom, you're in the room with HD quality. You can share screens to present, review, and get feedback in real time. You're not, oh, hey, did you get my email attachment? You're just sharing your screen right through GoToMeeting. Because with GoToMeeting, everyone sees what you're seeing, so your team can get on the same page and get it going. Now I want you guys to go sign up for GoToMeeting today. You can try it for free for 30 days with nothing to lose. Visit GoToMeeting.com and click the Try It Free button. You can go do it now and have your first meeting set up and running in just a few minutes. That's gotomeeting.com. Go check out your free 30-day trial. Uh, hashtag ask upgrade time. Oh, I'm excited to do you're, this. You're gonna, you're gonna. Um, uh, well, you should, you should uh, hand them off to me. Let me. Uh, well, before we start, there, there's one more of a hashtag tell upgrade. Our, our friend, the anonymous Apple Store uh, person who is the same person as before, what we've talked about before, had a, another tidbit that, that this person wanted to share, which is uh, Mike described these, uh, the, the terminals at the, at the Apple store, uh, the terminals, they're, they're called, uh, this person says, Isaacs now. Yes, I've heard that as well. And they were upgraded to iPhone 5s last year, at least in the U.S. Um, and this person says, we, I'm glad you both enjoyed your try-in appointments. We trained for weeks on all things Apple Watch. So, hey, did you it's, you you did a try-on? Did you? Do I one? did. I did do a try-on. I did it the first day. So I was up at 3 a.m. ordering, and then at the Apple Store at 5 p.m. to try it on. And it was it was really great. You know, it's it's like everyone says. It's really personal. It's really helpful. Um, you know, I I still know, even though I've been gone for you know, seven years, I still know quite a few people at the Apple store. And so, um, 
you know, one of the majors came over and was like talking me through it. You know, there, there was a trained employee actually doing the try on with me, but a manager came over and we were talking and the, the level it's, it's a very high touch experience. And I think it's something that the Apple store used to be known for before they got so busy. Um, and it's nice to see that return to form of really nice, rich one-to-one interactions. And, uh, I think it's great. I think the whole thing is very well done, you know, very high class. It, It feels like you're, not in a computer store, you know, it feels nicer than that. And so uh, I think it's a, a great little program. And I would say, even if you're not going to buy an Apple watch, if you're remotely interested in it, you should go just have the experience of, uh, you know, taking 15, 20 minutes to, to try some on and ask questions and use it because uh, it really is an interesting product and a, a pretty nice program from Apple retail. Yeah. Something that I mentioned last week is the idea that, um, Apple stores with this kind of uh, chaotic, like there's no line, there's no register, you've got to kind of flag somebody down. Um, That's very, you know, it's the future of retail. And yet it's also really frustrating when you just want to get something done and you, you know, there's no, it seems chaotic. And I like... I like. I think that's a challenge for the Apple retail experience. What I like about the the Tryon stuff is that it, it feels again like they're introducing some structure and something that feels like really good customer service um, into the Apple retail store experience. Because it's fr- frankly, it's been a while since I felt something quite that uh, different from the Apple store. Now it's sort of, you know, like I said, it, it's a little frustrating to flag somebody down. It's not like it's bad service, but this felt like a cut above. And I, I yeah, I, I think it's worth doing if you're curious about this stuff, even if you're not going to buy. There's no hard sell here. It's right. just, you know, they're well trained to, you know, they've got their little little rag and their two watches at a time rule and all of that. And they'll make it they'll make it happen. Yeah. So um, so listener Chris uh, writes in to say, on Google+, Plus, The Verge is commonly known as iVerge due to Apple bias. Do uh-huh. you think that's fair? This this comment made me laugh. This is, this is a little inside baseball. Yeah, but ba- basically what I would say is um, a- anybody who covers Apple is accused of Apple bias. Anybody who covers Android is accused of Android bias. If you're if you're not a site that is catering to a particular audience, like, you know, I'm I'm writing to people who like Apple stuff and I write about it in that context. I'm not interested in or qualified in doing a shootout between Apple, uh, you know, f- between iOS and Android. It's not I'm just not interested in it. I tried that for a little while at Tech Hive and I, I decided I, I'd rather not do that. And that's not what I'm trying to do. But if you're The Verge, you've got to do that. And yeah, anybody who says anything positive about vendor A is going to make the people who are fans of vendor B angry. Um, do I think The Verge is biased toward Apple? Is it iVerge? <laughs> Well, I don't know. I, uh, as somebody who knows a lot about Apple stuff, I look at a lot of the Verge's coverage about uh, about Android stuff and roll my eyes. So, you know, I think it's all in the eye of the beholder. I think the Verge has a difficult job, as all of these multi-platform uh, sites do, because uh, first off, they have to they have to cover all of this stuff, and that's hard. And second, you know, it depends on on each individual reader and their needs. It, 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 so. You know, if you're somebody who 
can't decide, then that's a very different story than somebody who's invested into one platform or, or the other. And if you're somebody who's just looking at stories about the other side as fodder for your, you know, long twilight struggle with the enemy, um, then sure, you'll, you'll be disappointed if an article doesn't provide you with that material because it says something positive about something. So um, also, let's be clear about watch coverage. Nobody is deciding between an Android Wear watch and an Apple watch. Because they're both extensions of the platforms. Right. Nobody, n- nobody's saying which one should you get, a Moto 360 or an Apple Watch. Because nobody, and now I've said nobody, somebody's going to say, well, actually, I'm buying a new phone soon and I'm, I'm on the fence about Apple or Android. Okay. Essentially nobody, how about we say it that way, is, is going to use the watch right now as the differentiator. Maybe that'll happen someday, but I feel like if you've got an Android phone, you're looking at the Android watches. If you've got an iPhone, you're looking at the Apple Watch. There's really no other game other than the Pebble. Hi, Pebble. Hi, those guys. <laughs> but um, so I, I think, you know, I, I, I don't think it's fair. I think uh, it's a tough job. And I think there are a lot of people who are always out. The people, the people who are calling The Verge iVerge are people who want The Verge to, to bash Apple and are disappointed that they say nice things about Apple from time to time, in addition to saying not nice things about them. Um, but those people aren't interested in, in, bi- in unbiased coverage. They're interested in their bias. Yeah, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm putting the, the link in now. There's... <laughs> Uh, some oh, roommates, I think. So good. Such a got funny story. Got into a, um, a, a fight. In a, par- fight hit- in a fight in a parking lot. A guy hit another guy with a beer bottle over iPhone versus Android. Yeah, I mean, that might be taking it a little far. I mean, I don't, I don't want to tell anyone how to live their life, Jason. <laughs> but I feel like if you have assaulted another human being over their phone choice, maybe you should think about things. Reconsider your life. Although, yeah. I, I will say that story says alcohol is said to have fueled the escalation. Yeah. Oh, shockingly, so less right. than smartphone <laughs> dispute. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm I'm shocked that that might yeah. be the case. It's crazy. You don't you don't say that is taking it a little bit far. And you want people to buy beer on the internet? Come on. Uh well, mm. yeah. I don't want the internet <laughs> vending the beer directly to them. I just you know. There you go. So, uh, listener Jimmy, our, our our friend Jimmy, Upgradian Jimmy, perhaps. Perhaps. I don't think I'm equipped to to bless somebody as an Upgradian. People can be an upgrading if they want. I, I have to make something up if they don't identify themselves as an upgrading or a listener. Yeah. So he asks, would it make sense for Apple to make an all-inclusive subscription? Unlimited iCloud storage, beat streaming, iTunes match, etc. So, so right now, you buy yeah. iCloud space that can take care of your photos. But if you buy iTunes match as a separate charge, iTunes match is, what, 20 30 bucks 30 a year. Uh, beat streaming at some point is going to be you know, more into the Apple fold right now. It's a separate, separate thing. So, so what Jimmy's asking, it doesn't make sense to just have, Hey, I want to pay for just Apple cloud services, check some boxes. I get what I want. I get one bill. Sounds great. Yeah. It's a, it's a nice <laughs> idea. This is like Amazon prime, like Apple prime. Um, I, I think it's a great idea. I, I do get frustrated by the fact that I've got an iCloud subscription that renews at a different time than the iTunes in the cloud subscription iTunes Match subscription yeah. um, and the Beat subscription. I have all of those. They all renew separately. I think it would be great if Apple offered something like Amazon Prime, where there was a, a like an all-in Apple thing. And this is Apple we're talking about. Apple wants people in their ecosystem. It seems to make sense to me the, to offer people a uh, you know just fully commit to Apple services kind of thing, and and offer you know a la carte too. So I think it's a good idea. I, I wonder. 
I imagine that Eddie Q and company have talked about this, but it, it makes sense to me. I would I would much rather just write them one check, <laughs> you know, put one auto renew on my credit card and walk away and not worry about it instead of the whole like how much and, and adjusting their storage options, offering an unlimited tier or a very, very high storage tier, I think would be great, too, as a part of that, um, because that's one of those places. I mean, we talked about Apple retail customer experience. That's one of the places where I feel kind of nickeled and dimed by Apple is mm-hmm. in the storage. Like they have all these little tiers and they're way more expensive than their competitors. And it just feels very un-Apple um, to do that. And I'm not saying Apple shouldn't charge people. I'm just saying the way they do it, where it's like, well, you get five for free, and then you can upgrade to 10 or 20. It seems very bureaucratic. It seems very Microsoft-y. It does not seem like... And the way their competitors are going is very simple. Like, Dropbox literally now has, you get it for free or you pay. And that's it. There are two tiers. There's a terabyte, or there's the free tier. <clears throat> that's it. That's the whole thing. So, um, yeah, that's a great idea, Jimmy. Million, million, as I like to say, that's a million dollar idea. <laughs> He's going to get a. It's going to cost a million dollars, unfortunately. Yeah, it, Sorry about yeah. that. Well, listener Jimmy can maybe get some sort of uh, percentage, you know, right off the top from Apple. I think that's only fair. Yeah, honestly. it's like an affiliate revenue thing for the exactly. idea. Yeah, exactly. all all future uh, Apple Prime accounts will be an affiliate deal for for Jimmy. Yeah, I, I do. I do agree that the, the nickel and diming definitely feels real. And what's nice in Yosemite, I think in Mavericks as well. In the iCloud preference pane, uh, you know you can adjust your billing right there. But for anything iTunes, you have to go into iTunes, go into your account, uh, you have to authenticate like three times, and it's yeah. And your app subscriptions, like if you have like Evernote Premium or something that comes out once a year, every month or something, that's all in there too. Like it's, I, I would like it just sort of a dashboard of of my accounts, and and have it all um, have it all in one place. You know, I think I think there's room for improvement there. I, I think they'll get there. I think Apple. Surely someone at Apple knows that that's sort of a janky experience, and um, Apple doesn't really like janky experiences, so I think they'll, I think they'll come around. Yeah, I hope so. I think, I think some of it, too, is that it's different parts of the company. Um, sure. And Beats, obviously, was completely not, a, not part of the company, but I think there's different parts, and they're out of sync, and somebody needs to come in and say, okay, here's our plan. You know, presumably there's somebody in charge, like a revenue person who's in charge of all of this saying, here, we need to do a better job of marketing our, mm-hmm. our offerings and, and put something together that would be better. That's a good kind of marketing, by the way, is when they're like, how do we bring things to market in a way that people will understand? You need those people. Um, anyway, Lister Kevin had a comment, a qu- really good question. He did. So listener Kevin says, and I'm going to use his pronunciation. Okay. So uh, Kevin asks, will we ever see an OSXI or is OS X the permanent slash final Mac OS? So I would probably think they would never pronounce it OSXI because they don't pronounce it OSX, except if you're listening to the audiobook of Becoming Steve Jobs, in Stop. which case they do. <laughs> um, but, uh, but this is the constant like OS 11 question, which is, is OS 10 the final? Are we going to truly have OS 10? We already have 10.10, right? Is there going to be 10.11? Do they change it? And what I would say is, it's easy to get hung up on the numbering thing because it came from nine to ten, but it, it it was always a marketing term. Yeah, it was always the Roman numeral, like and the big X. It was always marketing, and not the the number didn't matter, which is why it's ten point ten now. So I don't think there will. I don't think personally there will ever be an OS eleven. I don't think that's going to happen. Also, keep in mind, iOS in a couple of years is going to be iOS ten, which is also going to be weird. Mm-hmm. So. Here's my theory. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw out a theory here. I think 
OS 10, first off, could just stay as the Mac OS name forever until there's no Mac anymore, until they do a, a huge operating system shift in 10 years. Somebody, somebody who's not John Syracuse will have to write Copeland 2040. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. Um, but here, so here's my theory. I think OS 10 is an old name. Uh, it doesn't have the resonance that it used to, and we're about to have a collision with iOS. So I'm just going to throw it out there, just a wacky idea. I think at some point soon, in the next couple of years, Apple is going to start referring to OS 10 as Mac OS again. And we'll have Mac mm. OS and iOS. And at that point, you might have Mac OS version 11.0. Maver- right. Mavericks <laughs> or whatever, you know, Big Sur. Yeah. Arcadia. So- yeah, so, so a couple things come to mind. A, OS 9 wasn't going to be a thing. If you go back, like it was going to, they were going to do a bunch of re- releases of OS 8, yeah. and they were going to go to OS 10. OS 9 was like, oh, we need a thing, which is really my favorite part of oh, Mac. Oh, OS 8 wasn't even going to be a thing. OS 8 yeah. was just going to be 7.7 or something until right. Steve Jobs figured out that's how he could get the clones <laughs> yeah. out, was yeah. to say, oh, your license is only for System 7. <laughs> this is OS 8. Goodbye. <laughs> I'm just going to change the number. Yeah, and then 9. 9 came actually after 10, which is the other funny thing, is that it's 10 was already confusing. out, it's and they did confusing. 9 as the bridge release for right. for 10, and 10 ran 9 in Classic, and uh, yeah, so it's all mar- it's all weird. It's weird. So, so there's that, and, and really that was my favorite part of Apple people mocking Windows from going Windows from Windows 8 to Windows 10 because Apple did basically the same thing. Um, but but also, too, if you look at the way Apple markets them, starting with, really starting with Lion and Mountain Lion, but especially now, you don't see Mac OS 10, 10.10 written out or referenced very much by Apple. The, the yeah. marketing label is Mac OS 10 Yosemite. It's not even Mac. It's OS 10 Yosemite. Yeah, OS, OS 10 Yosemite. And so they've already, you know, adjusted course a little bit. I mean, back in like... Jaguar, Panther, Tiger, it was very heavy. This is Mac OS 10.3. Like, that's what it was called. That's what Apple called it. And then and, you got into the, like, you know, 10 point whatever name where they kind right. of mixed them together. But they, they've they've uh, pushed toward the Yosemite Mavericks kind of thing, which is why one thing they could do is continue to call it seriously. They could consider calling it OS 10 and rev it to version 11, and nobody would care except nerds who would be like, well, actually, uh, 10.10 is not a possibility because it's a decimal system. And, you know, those people are already dead because Yosemite is 10.10. Yeah, so I, I do think they're going to have to do yeah. something. I, I think, I think iOS 10 is a problem. I, I think you don't want iOS 10. So uh, <laughs> that, that's, that's when things get weird. So I would, you know, that, that, for me, that would be, I don't see how the 10 is, is important branding anymore. You know, you've got Mac. Everything is Mac now. There's Mac and there's iPhone and an iPad. So iOS probably sticks around because iPhone and iPad are products. They all have the I in front of them. Even though Apple's moving away from the I, they all have them. So OS 10. Could it just be Mac OS? So then you've got Mac OS 11 and iOS 9? Maybe? It's hard to say. I don't know. So it's, it's, they're, 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 I'm sure there are people who this keeps up in Cupertino, realizing <laughs> they're in some sort of weird collision course with names. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is just like when they introduced the new iPad that one time and they didn't want to uh, give it a number because they were like making arguments that we should just always call it the iPad. And they realized, yeah, that's not going to... Also, they keep uh, old versions around now, so they need to have the numbers <laughs> so that they can explain. No, no, this is the iPad Air 2. iPad Air also available. iPad Air 2. Faster. Yeah. 
Um, so we'll see. We'll see. But I, I, I am coming around to the crazy theory posited here that um, maybe OS ten as a brand will get transmogrified into something more like Mac OS again, like in the old days. Because, you know, OS ten was intended as a reassuring transition from previous Mac OS generations and an exciting step into the future. But that was a long like we talk about John's reviews. That was fifteen years ago, man. <laughs> that was that was a long time ago. It's just the Mac now. What differentiates OS ten is not the ten, it's the Mac. This is the operating system that the Mac runs, so call it that. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll, yeah. we'll follow up in uh, three to six years. Yeah, I'll check back right here. Yeah, that's the beauty of making really long-term predictions is no one remembers them. So if you're wrong, it's fine. Yeah, so check um, back. Uh, that'll, that'll be on um, upgrade number 190. We'll check, check back then. Yeah, Jackpot. Uh, listener Mark writes in and says, Regarding Apple Watch accessibility, could a blind person use one and have the Taptic Engine tap out the time? It's a... Uh, it's interesting. There's an there's an accessibility page up that that just this just came up this weekend or pretty recently. Yeah, or last week. Yeah, yeah. It's a recent edition about accessibility. Apple's talking about accessibility on on Apple Watch now, which is great. And 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 before we dive into it, um, definitely love that this is such a a big point of concern for Apple, where so many companies just don't do anything about it. So uh, it always makes me um, happy to discuss and see what what Apple's up to in this area. And and the watch, you know, it's it's little, right? Like it's it's, uh, I would imagine a hard accessibility thing to to solve. But you know, looking at this web page, I don't I don't see this particular suggestion listed. But there's a lot of stuff on here that that should make this easier to use for people with uh, both vision and and uh, and hearing hearing issues. Going yeah, on. yeah. I mean, we we've talked about. Um the idea that the walking instructions being able to tell you to turn left and right and things like that. I, I imagine this is going to be early days. It's great that they've got an accessibility story now. I think the idea of like tapping the time and things like that is a really great idea too. I, I think this will get better. I think between voiceover, because even if, you, even if you're blind, the watch is a speaker on your wrist attached to iPhone apps that can so it can talk to you and you have a touch surface that you can use to navigate a little bit. That there, there are going to be some really great applications for that down the line. It's probably, you know, going to be rudimentary to start, but um, I do think there's a lot of potential here. And Apple does care about this. Apple knows that this is one of those areas where it can actually lead, and it fits, as we've talked about on Upgrade before, it fits with how Apple sees itself, which mm-hmm. is as a force for good. And that's not just marketing. I think that's that's like one of their things that they ask themselves is, how can we you know, make this product that we're doing, you know, how can we, our presence be a force for good and change in the world? So I think there'll be more there, but the, it, it's a, it's a start. And the fact that there's a page about it, I think is encouraging too. And, you know, Apple's not going to even know, I think as with so much with a watch, it's going to get out in the market and then, and then everybody, including Apple is going to learn a whole lot about what to do. I, I would yeah. not be surprised if the Apple Watch software changes dramatically over the first year just because in the same hardware, just because they're gonna they're gonna be learning things and realize, oh, nobody uses this and oh, what a great idea that we didn't implement. And right. it would just not surprise me if they change a lot in that first year because they're gonna learn so much. Yeah, I mean the the iPhone OS definitely did that. And and what's nice, you know, now iOS, those accessibility tools are really rich and right. uh as well uh, on the Mac, you know, there's a lot of stuff and you know, the things like reducing transparency, like not just for, for accessibility purpose, but I use that because I don't like, I don't care for the transparency and it makes, you know, it makes weird little edge cases happen. And so, um, 
It's not just for people who necessarily need it, which is nice. It gives you some, some other options if you don't care for something. But yeah, I totally agree. I think watchOS is going to have uh, some pretty significant iteration. Uh, that's what, you know, they did it on the iPhone, right? The original iPhone did very few things, and the App Store was out the next year on the same hardware, yeah. and all of a sudden your phone could do a, a billion things. And even though this is launching with, with WatchKit and native apps are coming at some point, yeah, you know, if you, you look back at those original, you know, you know, 1.0, 2.0, 3.0 iPhone OS releases, some pretty significant changes. Yeah. Uh, I think this will just follow in those footsteps. Yep, I agree. We have one last bit of uh, of listener feedback. Now, again, the, there is an ask upgrade element to this, which is listener Eric sent us a tweet from astronaut uh, Sam Cristoforetti on Twitter. Uh, she posted uh, from the International Space Station a tweet pointing at the Dragon capsule, which was coming to load up the station. Um, and it's there's coffee in that nebula. I mean that dragon. So Italian, and um, as listener Eric points out, uh, the Dragon spacecraft was carrying an, an espresso machine designed for zero gravity, which is kind of amazing. And yeah. I, I can see why an Italian astronaut would want that. But listener Eric's question is: Is this the first Star Trek uniform in space? Because she appears to be wearing. She is wearing essentially a Star Trek Voyager uniform. Uh, which I, I noticed and I thought that is one of them. And it's got a pin that's not like a, it's not the Star Trek com badge, but it's something in that spot. And it just made me laugh um, because that's awesome that, that there's somebody wearing a Star Trek uniform in outer space. That is really funny. And, and you know what? She wants her coffee, damn it. Yeah. I mean, I would think, you know, I've, I've read I'm NASA nerd, I've read a lot about like life on the space station and coffee seems like a pretty central part of it. So yeah. um, I know, uh, you know, our, our our Italian co-host on Connected is would be very happy to see that this is yeah now this is now, going on. now we can send Federico into space done now there's zero gravity espresso this was the only thing holding it back really this is so. it get get to get to the Cosmodrome yeah Federico. iPads work iPads work on the space uh-huh. station so that's uh, right he can have espresso he can do his thing um, I think yeah, he um, could he could that is the most mobile workstation ever he could just <laughs> bring his iPad he could do Mac stories from space yes. All he needs is an iPad, an internet connection, which they sort of have, and um, and espresso. I think this is a new, exciting direction for Mac Stories. I suspect that Federico won't be wearing a Star Trek uniform, though. Unfortunately, probably not. Probably not. But uh, thank you, listener Eric. I thought that I, I don't know if that's the first Star Trek uniform in space, but that was pretty. That was a that was a pretty great tweet on so many different levels. So I'm glad that you sent it in. It's pretty good. Well, Stephen, that, that's. I think we're at the end. I think we. I think we did it. I think. I think we managed to do a show without Mike. I think so. I think. I think we're both still here. Yeah, it uh, seems so. We nobody died. That's my number one thing with podcasts. Did anybody die during the do, podcast? Do many no. people die on podcasts with you? I don't like to talk about it. Hmm. It's just my baseline. It, it hasn't happened. I, I okay. It hasn't happened yet that people have have died. Um, but I figure if nobody dies, then it's probably a pretty good show. Yeah. I've listened to some of your Star Wars episodes. It's amazing. No one is just like blown a blood vessel. Oh, that's just- true. That, I think that's <laughs> as close as we've come is, you know, John, John, are you out there? You know? Yeah. Just gurgling on the floor. On, he's on the floor. <laughs> he's like, I just need to <laughs> gather myself for a moment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, this was a lot of fun. We, we should, uh, I, we've got Dan Warren is really jealous. He's like, when do I get to guest host upgrade? And it's like, I do talk to him every week on, on, uh, on another show on clockwise but um but it's fun to have it's fun to have special guest stars so i'm glad you could do it while mike is busy schlepping around pens in atlanta yeah well thanks for having me it was a lot of fun and uh we should we should not only thank each other we should thank our, our three sponsors before we go 
we should. Sure. Igloo, mail route, and go to meeting. Go check them out. There's links in the show notes. Uh, all of the links we have spoken about today, you can find in your podcast app of choice or in any uh, web browser you might find yourself sitting in front of at relay.fm slash upgrade slash 33. Very nice. You podcast app of choice. You got it in there. It's like you listen to the show. That's nice. It's true. I do every week. Have you seen This is Spinal Tap? Uh, a long time ago and okay. only once. That's fine. That's, that's, yeah, that which was a, a thousand percent time more than Mike. So that, that's, that's right. Now, now, now you guys are equal. He just reached you last week. So, all right. Well, this was, this was great. Thanks to everybody out there for listening to Upgrade. And uh, Mike will be back next week. Stephen, thanks for being the guest host. And uh, we'll see you next week, everybody. Adios. Adios.